0: Yeah, techniques changed as in you know music styles that kind of stuff which you know we had some people make comments about didn't cause any major issues there were some traditions that were changed but honestly if, if there's anything i, I probably am, am bringing the church into more traditional in some ways
1: Welcome to Church Media HQ. I am glad that you have joined me this week. My name is Luke Clayton. I am your host. And before we get started, I do hope that you'll take a moment to subscribe wherever you're watching are listening. And if you really want to be awesome, take a moment to share this with another church leader who you think could benefit from our content. I also want to let you know that right now our Christmas content is officially available. We've got over 80 minutes of Christmas themed video footage. We've got graphics. We've even got print artwork so that you can get banners, invite cards, things like that printed. And this is all available as part of our Christmas media kit. You can access this at churchmediahq.com slash christmas. That's churchmediahq.com slash christmas. The best part about these perhaps is that they are one of the few times of year we offer our products and services available for a one-time cost. There's no subscription required. So again, to take advantage of this, head over to churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. Get your Christmas media kit today at churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. Theology, tradition, techniques. These tend to be the three main areas that really shape a church's approach to just about anything from the way they actually pursue ministry, operate their church, and, of course, do marketing. Now, of course, here on Church Media HQ, we're primarily talking about technique because that has to do with methodology and actually using media to reach your community and help the people of your church. Today's guest is Connor Smith and Connor serves as a pastor in the city of Paris, California. And he has been a pastor now for several years. So I wanted to invite Connor on because Connor loves to talk about the aspects of theology and tradition specifically. So I'm just gonna go ahead and give you fair warning. As we dive into this conversation, there are going to be positions that Connor may take on theological, traditional matters that you may not see eye to eye with. I may state some positions in those areas that you don't agree with. And to be quite honest with you, I'm sure there's areas where me and Connor disagree. The point is not to make some type of statement in terms of what we believe, what is right, or what is wrong. The point of this conversation is to help us realize that these three areas, theology, tradition, and technique, exist, and to help us categorize different positions in The right particular area. I believe there are many churches out there that are holding to certain areas of what they believe to be maybe theology or tradition, but really they actually might be more like technique. And we could talk about, and in the conversation, we dive into these certain possibilities. So again, I don't expect you to agree with everything Connor has to say, everything I have to say. But I do hope that you will be open to just the concept and the idea of making sure these things and aspects of what your church does are positioned in the proper categories. Because the thing that I would hate to see is for your church to continue to maybe struggle in certain areas maybe you feel like you're not particularly effective in aspects of your outreach or worship or preaching or something like that and really what what the reason being is because you're holding to maybe a matter of what you believe to be theology that actually is more accurately tradition or technique these are very important to realize and i'll be honest with you this is something that i have seen to be a really really big hurdle to overcome when working with some churches on even their marketing and approach to media so i'm not going to talk too much about the conversation i'm just going to get right to it so here is my conversation with connor smith you have been uh the pastor uh, at where you're at there in Paris now for has it been three or four years at this point? Three and a half years, exactly. yeah. Like three and a half years,
0: like this month is three and a half years, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so you um, you've kind of now le- first of all let me I have said this before, but I, on the on our uh, podcast, but I want to just so you and I are kind of on the same page. Here's kind of how I view from a pure, if you will, marketing and media perspective of, of church and the different facets of, of these things. So I think I kind of classify things into three levels. Okay. I have your, um, your theology. Okay. Well, theology is something that it doesn't change um, you can't you can't alter that okay if you truly believe in doctrine and theology that this is something you know uh, you know we talk about okay Jesus Jesus is God the deity of Christ the virgin birth okay these these fundamentals if you will okay that doesn't change well then then you go up to the next level and there is what I call tradition okay and traditions are um things that no they're not theology but I can I I can respect tradition, when it's placed in its proper place. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is if you're not equivocating your traditions with your theology, which is what I see happen many times, I can respect it. So, for example, I'm in the South, uh, and there's a lot of churches here that still would be your what you'd consider traditional church vibe in one way or another. They right, they right. have the the building with the steeple. They have um people dress up on Sundays. Um uh, you know, they've still got, you know, like a choir and a more um more traditional style of music and, and honestly, I'm thinking of multiple denominations that you still see this happen in the South, you know, Southern Baptist churches. I know you're a Southern Baptist church. You see that in a lot of truly Southern, Southern yeah, Baptist right. churches, if you will. <laughs> right. um, and so, um, and a lot of times what I see there sometimes, People do put tradition in its right place, and sometimes they do not. They've got tradition. And then the next level, and this is the one that I talk about the most, is techniques. Okay, perfectly alliterated, like a good Baptist there.
0: So, uh, But (laughs) this is your methodology. I've going to be very proud.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know, right? And and these things, (laughs) these things, these are things that you do in terms of, this is how we reach people. This is how we market ourselves, brand ourselves, whatever. Um, so to give a, a a difference here, like, for example, if you have a tradition of saying, well, you know, at our church, we're just the more dressed up type church. Okay, that that's fine. Okay. But then to say that, well, our church would, and this is something I hear pretty common from. Again, I've heard this from churches in multiple denominations. A lot of it does tend to happen in the South is to say, you know, we're a church that would never do multiple Sunday services because, you know, uh, we just, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, fill in the blank. And, and, you know, but, but, hey, we'll raise, we'll raise millions of dollars to build another building, even though we're not going to fill it, you know, once a week. But, uh, but whatever. And that's, that's a soapbox of mine. I'm not going to get on it right now. But. I I like the soapbox. I I know you do. <laughs> uh, and so, so anyways, um, you know, and then they, then they put that though, the reason they do that, well, somehow that gets lumped into the wrong category. It gets placed as a tradition or a theology or whatever. So anyways, I want to set up that context as we talk, as we kind of maybe steer into this next discussion, because you have taken your church um from when you came there. And I would say mostly in terms of technique methodology you've made a lot of changes maybe there's been some some changes and and i think from what i've observed um and what i've seen is that you have basically come along and put these things in their rightful place you've said these are this is our theology this is maybe our tradition and we're going to honor that um and then this is our uh, these are our these are our techniques and and you know that because my problem is when somebody th- when somebody basically says, no, these, our techniques aren't even up to being changed. Well, that's when we really disagree because first of all, it's horrible for my business because well. I, I, my business is based off of, Hey, you trying new things and whatever, and trying media and video and whatever. So anyway, that kind of sets up where we're headed. So you have, you have transitioned your church in a lot of ways and I don't really know where to start. Um, so I was going to you know say, you kind of give us maybe a brief history, if you will, of what you've changed, how you've changed and, and kind of where you're at now, if you will.
0: Yeah. Um, you'll have to forgive me if I kind of bounce around and kind of go to different places. Well, and-
1: I gave you an incredibly broad question, so <laughs> a broad answer would make sense. But,
0: so yeah, so I was here as like right out of West Coast. I came here in 2012 when we graduated. I mean, I, I was already coming down here um, starting yeah. in March and then I gra- February or March, and then I started and I moved down here like a week after graduation or three or four days after graduation in May of 2012. And I was an intern, and then I got hired on at the end of the summer as a music slash youth pastor. And then I was the administrative pastor, and we had a school. And, you know, they didn't couldn't find a, you know, a principal that would be a principal for $23,000 a year. So, you know, <laughs> let's have the, the young guy do it that has no educational experience. So that was a really smart idea, and I did that for a while. And um, then our... I married I met my wife honey Harmony. um have a commercial um and then yes you do
1: yeah yeah <laughs> little, little side and, note there yeah you know
0: and then um we we got married in January of 2016 we ended up it was just shortly thereafter that a lot of my theological things started really getting having some rocks thrown at them uh, really I should say very tiny pebbles. And uh, that, that should not have caused a strong theology to shatter. Um, Mm. And they completely, I mean, it was a domino effect. Once, once one of those tiny little rocks hit it, uh, the crack immediately just began, you know, spider webbing out. And I was, yeah, it was, it was a very short amount of time before I was at a place of complete, like ground zero theologically, almost not totally. There, there were some basic things that I still was kind of like, I'm, I'm set here, but, uh, and I was never, I wasn't considering leaving the faith. I wasn't questioning salvation or the gospel or Christ or the Trinity or those kinds of things. But uh, I was questioning a lot of things, theologically, traditionally, <laughs> technically all of it. And, mm-hmm. um, and so we just needed to go somewhere where I could, where, where we could kind of work through some of that. And so we were able to do that for a while. Uh, we're, and long story short, without getting into all that took place in that 18 months, ended up coming back to Temple as the pastor in January of 2018. Um, leading up to that, though, I was very clear on the fact that some things were going to change if I became the pastor. And I wanted to make, I made that clear in an interview with just the elders, an interview with the elders and the deacons, and an interview with the entire church they were able to submit questions and answers. Um, and then I submitted my own questions that I knew that even if they didn't ask them, I knew that there were questions that should be answered. They should that way they could go into it with eyes wide open. Um, and I said, here's things that are going to change. Here are things that don't need to change, at least not right now. I'm not saying I'll never touch them. I'm saying that it's not my priority in the first year is to make sure our church is healthy and recovers from all the crud that it's been through the last two years. Yeah, And they voted me in at almost 90% of the vote. Um, And so I did what I said I was going to do. And we made a couple of major changes. uh, Initially, Um, basically, we just didn't have anybody that has ever been involved in music running music at the time. Um, And so I was the most experienced music guy there now. Um, And so I just sort of stepped in and I was the senior pastor in doing that. Um, And so and that, I guess, stylistically changed somewhat, but not again that wasn't that wasn't even anything major i was just sort of upfront, like we're gonna make sure this is better
1: well i want to take a break before we finish this part of the conversation by reminding you once again about our church media hq christmas media kit now this again contains over 80 minutes of christmas theme video footage and the videos have become kind of the flagship feature if you will of what we have to offer see these videos tell five unique stories. And I've seen churches take a couple approaches. Uh, I've seen churches present one of these video narratives all during one Christmas service. I've also seen churches take these and present these over over a series of worship services throughout the Christmas uh, holiday season and show a different piece of the video every week to keep people coming back to hear the next piece of, this is hear and see rather the next piece of the story. I've also seen some churches take the footage contained in these videos and use them to craft and create their own stories. Really, no matter how your church chooses to use this video content, I just look forward to seeing your creativity and how your church applies them at your at, in your services and in your worship experience this Christmas season. So you can get your Christmas media kit at churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. That's churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. And these are the only, this is one of the only times that you can actually get resources from Church Media HQ without a subscription. These are available for just this kit, rather is available for just a one-time cost and you can get that at churchmediahq.com slash christmas there's no subscription required get your christmas media kit for a one-time cost at churchmediahq.com slash christmas now let's get back to the conversation
0: there were a couple of things that we that we did uh right then and there um and then we just cut some programs i mean it was a church that our church was built um when, i mean we have nine different properties or nine different buildings on our property uh are five acres of land i mean it's for for southern california it's uh it's quite the facility um but when it was when this church was at its height the church was running a thousand had 500 in its christian school i mean so you had the giving of a thousand people <laughs> to support this kind of facility when I came in, we we're running between 180 and 200. And we did not have that kind of uh, kind of giving coming in anymore. And so there were a lot of things that needed to, to get changed. And so, um, hold on. I was going somewhere with that. And I don't exactly remember where, but, um, oh, that, that's what it was. And we had programs as well to fit, yeah. you know, lots of people. So there were a lot of programs and it was like, we have people that are serving, in every single service and are never sitting under the preaching of God's word. We can't do this anymore. So like one example of a sacred cow was the Awana ministry. And um, you know, that's, that's one of those things that people really, really love. And I totally get it. I think it's a great ministry. I just don't think it's a ministry we're commanded to have in scripture. And that we are going to sacrifice, you know the primary time of worship to do that. I couldn't find enough people to serve in the nursery on Sunday mornings, but yeah. sure enough on Sunday nights that everybody's like, you need to have a Sunday night service. Well, I've got four to seven people sitting in a Sunday night service, and I got 25 people serving over in Awanas. Like, mm-hmm. this, this is not what we've got our wires crossed here, guys. We're not doing this anymore. Um, and so we changed it. But in the first year, I really did try to stick to that. Like, there were a couple of things like Awanas that I wasn't originally planning on, but it was sort of one of those things that was so obvious uh, and we're, it was making us bleed. And we're like, we're not just going to continue bleeding unnecessarily just because I gave a, a one year timeline of not making major changes. Um, but we ended up having to shut the school down. Uh, we were paying teachers below minimum wage uh, I mean, illegally. Like if somebody, if the labor board would have decided to come in and see how we were doing things, it just would have been, it would have been bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we ended up having to shut down our Christian school and um, do some other things. But um, honestly, the f- because of my five years of history already being a part of the church, uh, or almost five years, those things were a lot easier for me than I think they would have been for other people they caused a lot less division than I think they probably would have I think that if I was just a new guy that they never met coming in I probably those probably would not have been wise decisions to make early mm-hmm. on um, but I will also say that the people that did still get very upset and leave although there was a very small number of people that did not affect our giving it didn't affect the trajectory it didn't it didn't affect us as a church. Um, in any significant way, other than just it being painful when people that you love leave, is that the people that left were not people leaving because a pastor that they didn't know was making decisions, it was people that, like, I've walked with them through difficult times, I've done family members' funerals, I've you know been their kids' youth pastor, you know, all throughout their junior high and high school years and like those kinds of people are the ones that not didn't like certain things and would leave over it that no. was very hard um but so for instance though what what have we changed if we went back to your three points your, your very nicely alliterated three points theology yes. tradition techniques um yeah techniques changed as in you know music styles that kind of stuff which you know we had some people make comments about didn't cause any major issues um there were some traditions that were changed, but honestly, if there's anything, I, I probably am, am bringing the church into more traditional in some ways, um, mm. in the sense that if you, what I put down in the in your comments, but leading up to the podcast was the great tradition. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times in our independent Baptist, and honestly, a lot of Southern Baptist churches, when they talk about traditional, what they mean is they mean from like the 1920s, the 1950s, like early 20th century, um, mm. when it was, you know, I guess, more obviously conservative uh you know barbershop quartet was the most you know contemporary things would ever get as far as music styles went yeah Uh, um you you know everybody it was obvious that everybody's gonna wear a dress and your suits and and ties and and all all that yeah sunday school sunday morning sunday night wednesday night like it was just sort of an obvious yes of course this is what we do sort of a thing um but again we're talking about a tradition that's less than 100 years old or within a century old We're Mm -hmm. not talking about things that are traditional and the actual history of the church, which is why one of my biggest, one of the things that makes me most sad for places like West Coast and really every Baptist college I'm aware of right now, as far as independent Baptists go, um, is they don't teach church history at all. Mm -hmm. They teach no version of church history. They don't teach you about what happened in the first 600 years of the church. They They completely skip over medieval history. They teach straight up false history through things like the Trail of Blood that are just verifiably false. Like <laughs> they're just not true. <laughs> like I've sat through church history classes and a Baptist history class at an actual, you know, seminary and, um, and had, and had my professors hold up copies of a trail of blood or like, I'm sure none of you have ever seen any of this before. And I'm like, uh, I got three copies in my office and it was taught <laughs> as a textbook. Oh, that was my curriculum. Yeah, that was the curriculum that I got. And they're like, see me after class. I want to know about this. And uh, like, they're like, what are you talking about? It's crazy. Where is this? And I like, it's an hour away. And there's like a thousand students that go there. It's nuts. And um, and so there was that kind of stuff. And um and so I actually think that we need to recover some of the great tradition. And the reason why is not for simply tradition's sake, which is what I really think a lot of this early 20th century recovering of tradition, uh, old time religion, whatever you want to call it, that yeah. they want to get back to It's really just because it makes them feel more comfortable, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately it was also a time, and this is what I really struggle with when they say go back, go back, go back, go back to what though? So yes, we had prayers in schools, in schools that were segregated based on, you know, ethnicity, you know, let's, let's go back to this time when we had more religion and we were allowed to hold slaves, yeah. And it's just like I don't understand what you mean. Were there can we see maybe that there were good things? I suppose. I'm sure in every era you could. But when we say we want to go back, I think we got to be very careful how we say that and who we say it to. Yeah. Because when we start talking about getting back to the old time religion or the tradition, we there's a whole segment of people that are gonna hear that and go, I wasn't allowed to like voice my opinion or drive a car or be on your side of the street or you know do whole thing at least in our country you know what i mean yeah yeah but when we say we want to go back i think we got to be very careful how we say that and who we say it to because when we start talking about getting back to the old time religion or the tradition we there's a whole segment of people that are going to hear that and go i wasn't allowed to like voice yep. my opinion or drive a car or be on your side of the street or, you know, do all thing at least in our country, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And well, so, and I would, I would, I would just interject here and say this too, you know, people talk about how, you know, going back to our earlier conversation, nobody out there, I, I can't think of a pastor or a Christian out there who would argue the say, Hey, when you say don't put your hope in man, well, absolutely don't. But I, I would take that a step further and say, don't put your hope in tradition and don't put your hope in reverting back to, like you said, a culture of yesteryear because there were positive things about it, but there were certainly negative things as well. And so, you know, if you, if you believe the, cause I do, I mean, I, I know people, unfortunately who believe the hope for the future of America and for Christianity is to, to go back. And like you said, but go back. I mean, if you want to maybe cherry pick some of that, sure, but you know, there is no there. Ultimately, there is no culture or tradition that is flawless and that we put our hope in. Our hope is in the gospel and Jesus Christ. Right. So there's my sermonette and I'm going to let you continue. I think it's good.
0: And, and that's why. So when I say that, I'm actually wanting to bring us back to tradition. I mean, like, let's go back and read the guys that sat at the feet of like Paul and John and Peter. Mm-hmm. And like, let's actually read those guys. And then let's yeah. read the people that s- sat under their feet and got
1: taught by them. Well, we're going to dive into the next part of the conversation with Connor on next week's episode. And until then, I want to give one more plug, at least on this episode, for our Christmas media kit. And you can get that at churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. That's churchmediahq.com slash Christmas. And I do want to remind you once again, be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts. I also want to give a special shout out for our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to the must increase YouTube channel at youtube.com slash must increase. If you do that, you're going to get every video version of church media HQ, but you're also going to get every episode of the other show on the must increase network connection. Culture. So if you subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com/slash you will get all episodes of both of our shows. So I do hope that you'll take a moment to subscribe on YouTube specifically right now. Well, as I mentioned, Church Media HQ is a production of the Must Increase Network. And in addition to subscribing to our YouTube channel, you can visit mustincrease.com to learn all about what uh, what we do for families. churches to increase truth and inspire hope in the lives of others using the power of media and until next time i want to remind your church that it's time for you to try something new why well because it's so much better to try doing something that really could be incredible than to continue to succeed at doing something that's just average we'll see you next time right here on Church Media HQ.